The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our episode today is brought to you by Benedictine College and Audible.com. To get your free Audible download, go to our special link at audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. You'll be able to download one of the many, many thousands of titles. I believe there's 150,000 plus for free when you use that special link audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. Our guest today is Gay Gaddis. She's the CEO and founder of T3, the think tank. It started in 1989 with two employees and a cashed-in IRA. And now T3 is the nation's largest independent advertising agency that's owned by a woman. This agency specializes in innovative technology-based work for many clients, including UPS, Allstate, and 7-Eleven. Gay's been named one of the fast companies, top 25 women business builders, and Inc. Magazine's top 10 entrepreneurs of the year. And she chairs the Committee of 200, which is an elite women's business organization and serves on the board of directors for Monotype Imaging Holdings, Inc. Welcome to the show today, Gay. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And you have been very successful with your business, and obviously uh, we want to talk a little bit about that during the show. I want to start, though, with the Committee of 200. What is the Committee of 200? Well, it's probably one of the best-kept secrets in the world, so we're very glad yes. that we can talk about it today. <laughs> um, actually, the the organization was founded in 1982, and it was a handful of very powerful women. And they were actually gathered in Los Angeles to kind of support the National Association for Women Business Owners. And some of those first members were uh, Catherine Graham and Christy Hefner, people's names that you most people would realize and know. But uh, the interesting thing was they first came together in support of NABA, but then they decided, wow, we really enjoy each other. We really have some things in common, and maybe there's a life after this meeting. Mm-hmm. So what happened is uh, through the through the months of following that, they formed this group and, and became a nonprofit and, and came together to say, we really have some things that we would like to share and do to further women in the workforce for further women's business causes, and so and also to be a network for, for each other. Right. Now, as you mentioned, it started as a support for NABO, and, and then it bloomed into its own organization. There are lots of other women's organizations in existence. Uh, WIP would be another one, for example. What is different mm-hmm. about C200? Well, I have to say it uh, it really rewards and recognizes women at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a, the interesting thing is it is part corporate, 
and part entrepreneur. So many organizations may be, you know, let's say just for women CEOs or women business owners. This is honoring and recognizing women at the top of their game in both the corporate and the uh, entrepreneurial side. And so for an entrepreneur, many women start businesses, as we know, Mm -hmm. but this uh, organization requires at this stage that you uh, have revenues uh, and I'm talking net revenues of $20 million to even be considered to be a part of the entrepreneurial part of C200. On the corporate side, uh, you manage large P&Ls. You report to the CEO. You are the CEO. And so I can name a couple people that will uh, spring your interest, and that would be Denise Morrison, who's a member, and she's the president of Campbell's Soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellen Kuhlman, uh, CEO of DuPont. Renee James, president of Intel. And so what we have found is that this is an organization that brings in women who are really highly, highly successful. And, again, it's that combination of entrepreneur and corporate. And we feel that we learn a lot from each other. And uh, other organizations usually are just are actually one or the other. I think that's a really good point to make because, as you say, uh, there's very few organizations or maybe not any that actually merge the two like that, at least on a national scale. You've got NABO that that, uh, you have to be an owner and you have others, but I can imagine that you learn a lot. So often I run into women entrepreneurs who are very, very well connected in the entrepreneurial community, and I run into corporate people, corporate women, who sometimes, quite frankly, aren't even aware of the entrepreneurial activity that's going on outside of their corporations and those circles. And so to bring them together, there's so many things they could learn from each other. And I, I, I Absolutely. think that's a, a and, great... and actually, this is an international organization, international. although I must say okay. that the uh, the majority of our members are in the United States, mm-hmm. but it is international. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the corporations and, and many of our entrepreneurs are doing business on a, a global basis. So it, it truly is a, a global organization. Right. Any significance to the 200 in the name of the organization? Well, when it was started, and, and now we have uh, 400 some odd members, so it's not a, a cap or a limit to the number of members that we have. But uh, originally, the the goal was to find 200 women who could come together and and raise some money for NABO, I mean, to, in support of NABO. Right. And so th- that is where it started. We said they said, can we find 200 women uh, at this level that are willing to support and can give money and want to further women's causes? So it has. Stayed that name and sometimes it's coined C200 or the Committee of 200 uh, and that that was the original founder name. And you know when you talk about 200 and now 400 members obviously there's corporate mixed in there corporate women executives but it's astounding to me and of course being a former chair of NABO myself I'm familiar with these statistics but they haven't changed a whole lot in spite of so many efforts and I know that uh, the 2013 State of Women-Owned Business report that American Express Open Commission and was written by my good friend uh, Julie Weeks. Again, four per, only 4% of women business owners ever exceed $500,000 in revenues. I mean, that's just astounding to me. What do you think some of the things that contribute to that are? Uh, there's several things. Uh, first of all, some, I believe that in, especially today, we see women at an amazing rate starting businesses. And I think sometimes the goal there is not so much to grow a business, but to provide income, mm-hmm. follow a passion, and have flexibility. 
and and there you are with, with trying to raise a family or being a single mom or some of the things that women face. And I think sometimes being able to go out and and have a little flexibility that doesn't mean you don't work hard. <laughs> No. But, and so their goal, they, they set off with a goal not to be big. I mean, that's not even in the thinking. But the other part of it is I think that, that women don't sit back and say, what if I did grow this? You know, what if I could do this? What is it going to take? What, what would be the steps I would have to take to get us to the next level? And for me personally, uh, growing my own business has been so rewarding because of a couple of things. It's provided a wonderful, you know, background and income for my family. And on the other hand, I've felt very proud of being able to provide thousands of jobs through the years mm-hmm. uh, to working families and being able to be a job provider. And so that brings great satisfaction to me. But I think, you know, a lot of the women out there don't really have maybe the 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 wherewithal, to be honest, you know, to say, you know, I can make it to the next level, or even maybe they don't want to, or they're maybe a little timid about that. So, so we see a lot of things that are affecting women's growth, and uh, but certainly there are some out there that are doing a wonderful job and have done some remarkable things and grown amazing companies, as we know. Right. I sometimes wonder too. Uh, although historically, women have always owned businesses. It's just that in the last, what, since the mid-1990s, 1997 or something, that we've really accelerated the rate of women's business ownership. And I sometimes wonder if, my goodness, 1997, we were just talking before we went on the air about how time flies, 1997 seems like a nanosecond ago, and give us another decade or a couple more decades of of this and, and more role models like those that you have in C200 uh, for women to be able to talk to and learn from, and who knows where we'll be then. And so sometimes I just wonder that if it's just that we're still in the infancy, so to speak, of serious women business ownership. Well, that brings up a really good point, and I think our mission in C200 be well beyond just the support of our success for each other. I mean, that's one piece mm-hmm. of it. But we have a very strong, strong mission through our foundation to pay it back and to bring uh, mentoring on to women who need that. And so we actually have a protege program where we have identified women who could make it into that next level and become C200 members. And it's a very formalized program through our foundation where we're trying to help women uh, to achieve those goals. The other thing that we do and have for, for many years uh, is gone into the colleges all over, literally internationally, um, and in, especially in the United States again, to be role models, to spend a day with an MBA student, spend a day with, and now even high school students and mm-hmm. undergrad students, to give them ideas about how to position themselves to win. And we will talk about our stories and share those and have these great moments one-on-one sometimes at at a lunch table and then through the panels and through a full day of of lectures. And so we're trying to get out there and say, guess what? You can do it. You can do it. And be Mm -hmm. not just cheerleaders, but provide some actual stepping stones to help them make it to the next level and help them to be able to stay in business and become a contributor. Right. Now, all of those outreach uh, activities that you just described, going into the schools, for example, are all of that part of the Protege program, or is the Protege program something different that has certain criteria around it? 
Okay, yes, the Protege Program is a separate initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, the going into the schools and, and that sort of thing, we call them reach outs, and that's all volunteer. Our members do this at their own expense, travel all over the globe <laughs> and do this, and it's something that we feel passionate about to be able to provide that that leadership to young women. Uh, but as far as the protege program, these are this is a very specific thing. And this year, for example, we have 15 women, uh, ranging in age from 32 to 62. So it's not all just young women. Mm-hmm. But we think it's women who have the opportunity to really grow into that next level of business. And so it's a formal program. It, it, it goes on for a year. We, we are working with them on many levels and providing mentorship, leadership, training and all the things that we think that will help. And we actually have members now at C200 who were in some of our past protege programs, and we saw the success there and believe that this is a strong thing. I will have to say that the protege program was dormant for a few years. Uh, it has been reinitiated this year because we believe so strongly that it is a true path to growth. Mm-hmm. When you say that you have a 15-year-old there even, what what is the criteria? Is there Do you have to own an existing business? Does that business need to be generating a certain level of revenues? What What is it that catches the committee's eye to invite them to the protege program? They need to be able to show that they have a proven uh, business model. Uh, there were many things. I, I, I could spend the next hour, <laughs> sure. which we don't have, right. to talk to you about you know the criterion that was uh, achieved to get to this program, into the program. But there was you know very specific um, things that we were looking for embedded these people because uh, honestly we we felt like that they had either a business model, a business strategy, uh, the personal uh, you know go getter kind of type attitude that they could make it, they wanted to grow, they want the help. And so you know, first you have to, again, identify these people who are willing to kind of say, I want to be a $20 million company. I want to be a $50 million company. And, you know, like we spoke earlier, some women really don't really want to get there. You know, it's not necessarily their strategy right now. So, um, so it was a combination of things, but it was very well uh, curated and vetted to find our first 15 women this year. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to hear more about your story with T3. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. You want real results. You want your efforts to count for something. And you don't have time to waste. We understand. That's why the Executive MBA program at Benedictine College is the program more than 400 alums say help them accelerate their careers and enhance their approach to management and leadership. You're ready immediately to contribute to your organization's success. We invite you to check out benedictine.edu slash EMBA to learn more about our program and what it has to offer. Hi, I'm Kelly Scanlon, host of Smart Companies Radio, and I'd like to tell you about one of the sponsors of Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. It's audible.com. Get a special offer by going to audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. Get a free month service and download a book of your choice. You get about 150,000 titles to choose from. So go out to audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. Vital signs. How to survive in today's economy. 
The 8th Annual Kansas City Government Contracting and Procurement Forum is designed to showcase government contracting requirements, provide critical information, networking opportunities, and access to new business partners. This year's keynote speaker is Ann Byler, founder of Andy Ann's Soft Pretzel Franchise. The forum is free August 14th, Bartle Hall Convention Center. Get more information and register online at kcgcp.org. That's kcgcp.org. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're speaking here today with Gay Gaddis. She's the CEO and founder of T3, the think tank. And we've been talking about a committee that she chairs called the Committee of 200, which is, as I said earlier, an elite women's business organization that works with both women entrepreneurs and corporate executives, female corporate executives. And, Gay, I'm curious about your business and about your path to the Committee of 200. Well, it was an interesting thing in 1989 when I got mad one day and <laughs> left the company I was working for. Actually, I was furious because they weren't going to support my business plan. And so I had all of $16,000 in an IRA, and I ran out and cashed it in and became incorporated and opened a little office uh, in Austin, Texas, which was at the time about the sleepiest town you can imagine. So it, it's been an interesting run. And uh, we are today, T3, is, we call ourselves a you know technology fuel creative agency, which is uh, we're very strong on the digital front, marketing for major, major clients. I think we mentioned some of those earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Fortune 100, 200 clients. But it didn't start off that way, and I think everyone has their path. Um, I have to admit, in 92, we started working with Dell Computer mm-hmm. Corporation, mm-hmm. and Dell was small and we were small, but it catapulted us in the early 90s into this thing called the Internet. And uh, Michael Dell was very vocal and came out and said that he wanted to sell direct online to his consumers and customers, and the Internet was the perfect way to do it. So we decided that we had to figure this out or we were going to lose a client, and sure. uh, we did. So, that, so the reason I mention that is that became a Trojan horse almost for T3 because uh, we were able to go into almost any major company and solve some very, very uh, significant strategic Internet-based marketing, digital, now we call it mobile, social, all the other pieces, mm-hmm. uh, issues for these clients. And so that was kind of our growth. But it didn't come overnight, and everything, of course, has been 25 years. And so uh, a long journey there. But uh, we've been excited about what's happening next and continue to look ahead at you know mm-hmm. where digital is going to take us and it, it's wearables next and it's whatever's next. But right. It's, uh, it's an exciting time to be in the business. Yeah, we've had folks on here who are you know the Google Glass and even Google Glasses are becoming passe these days. Things keep moving along, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but did you did you know when you started? Of course, you started small as many businesses do. But when you started. Did you have that larger vision that we talked about earlier, or did you just think initially, until you got Dell, that you were going to stay small and you know you might make a nice living for yourself, maybe a few other people, or, or did you always have your sights on becoming the really large agency that you are today? No, I didn't exactly, although <laughs> failure was not an option for me. Uh, we have three small children at the time, and I absolutely knew that we had to, to 
grow the business. You can't sit still. You know what I'm saying? It's right. once you once you're going, it's it's like new business. It's a lifeblood. You've got to keep things going. And to be stagnant and not moving forward to me was not competitive. And so we had to constantly look at ways to add services, do things that would keep us in the competitive market. But I will say this. Kelly, um, mm-hmm. when, having the three small children did hold me back a bit and on purpose, and, and I'll say this. I used to say if I couldn't fly to a client meeting back in one day, I wouldn't go. And so it limited a bit in the early years mm-hmm. uh, how what our client base could look like because I wanted to be able to be home with my children as much as possible, read the bedtime story, and, you know, and be there. So um, it, it was somewhat limiting however when our youngest child went off to college i you know roped my suitcase into the lobby of my house and said well i'm off i'm out of here and my husband loves to say that i I strapped a belt around chaos which means my suitcase and off i went and so everywhere i would go is always about meeting people you know, raising the profile of T3, networking, getting involved with organizations and uh, with individuals who could help us grow the business. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did, and that's when we really kind of took off uh, as a, in a real hyper-growth mode. How did you find the committee of 200, or uh, is it not a matter of you finding them? Do you have to be invited to the committee of 200? How does that work? Yeah, you had, you had to be invited, but I, in all places, I was in Latvia. <laughs> that would be and of all was, places. Uh, an, a, a group of women who had gone over with the State Department on a mission to really work with women in that region and encourage them in their business endeavors. And so I was invited uh, by a client of mine at Marriott to join the group. And when I got there, interestingly enough, there was kind of a group of women who seemed to know each other, and I found out they were all on the Committee of 200. Ah. So then they started talking to me, and they said, Hmm, you might be eligible to be a member. We need to talk about this, blah, blah, blah. And they went back and, and looked at my numbers and looked at everything, and I did receive an invitation to join. And it was a really honor. And honestly, the first time I walked into a meeting with all of them at, at our annual conference, I was just in awe because I thought, oh, wow, you know, look, I'm at, at this Hall of Fame of Women. and uh, But everyone was so welcoming and encouraging. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't a mean place. It was a very, very mm-hmm. welcoming place for me. Yeah, and the Hall of Fame of Women, I think that's a very apt way to put it. So uh, what? as we wrap up here today, let's talk about some of the biggest w- issues that women are facing in business today. And when I say that I'd like to talk about those, I'm not talking about commiserating. I'm talking about what are some of these and what's being done to address them. And, and women in particular, what are women doing to address these issues? The one thing that I think is always going to be a factor, and it sounds like a broken record, but it is the fact that women do bear children and we have to decide how we're going to deal with our families. Um, I honestly think that, you know, you can make it work, and this is what we try to do, but I have to tell you a quick anecdotal story. When I was in Fudan University in Shanghai with the Committee of 200, the reach out we were doing brought some questions at the end of my panel. And my daughter happened to be in the room, and she was sitting on the front row. And so instead of the first question coming to me or one of the members of the panel, it went directly to her. (laughs) And they said, what was it like having a mom like you, her? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How was it growing up with that? And I had no idea what my daughter Rebecca was going to say. It just kind of blew me away. And so she just said, I did miss her. She wasn't always there. But when she was there, she was all there and all in, and I knew she Mm -hmm. always loved me. So that's almost 
put me into tears. Well, this is an issue that women have to face constantly is, you know, and I know it sounds, again, like we we got to get over this. So I've done something in my own company to try to remedy this, and it's called T3 and Under, where we allow parents to bring their children to work until they're nine months old. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a segue. So I think that's one thing that we, we have tried to do to remedy this. Women, I think, have to be a little bit more proactive about how they can work. And I think if you do a great job, I've always said that if you're making money for a company and you're a star performer, it's amazing sometimes what you can negotiate. Uh, I did this myself many, many years ago. I was a high performer in the company I was working for, and I negotiated for them uh, at the time, which was unheard of, uh, for me to work uh, part-time until my daughter was nine months. Mm -hmm. And they didn't didn't want to do that. But I was making so much money for the company that it was really – I had the opportunity to do that. Sure. So I think it's, it's always about putting yourself in a position where you are a star, and if you are, then it's amazing how the doors will open. Right. And when you're talking about uh, your daughter answering that question, that ties back a bit to what I said earlier where women are really, just, just since the 90s really, taking entrepreneurship seriously as a real option for them. You know, the, Historically, women have owned businesses, but since the 1990s, women have started to take it more seriously seriously, seeing it as something that they really can uh, do, own businesses. And there's there just haven't been as many of the early role models. But then our daughters, I have two daughters of my own, our daughters see us and they think they can do anything. And it slays me still that when my oldest daughter was born, she was born into a world where she couldn't have gotten credit without a male relative's signature. I mean, we're all familiar with HR 5050 and, and how Organizations uh-huh. like NABO yeah. and, and C200, and I mean, it didn't exist then, but it did exist then. But I mean, you know what I'm talking about, that, that these these organizations are are fighting for those types of things. And you still, there are still things like that, that, uh, you know, equal pay and, and all kinds of different things that need to be addressed yet. So it's just a, it's a matter of time. Yeah, and interestingly enough, all three of my children are entrepreneurs. Uh, my son works here in the company, my oldest one, but our, my younger two started their own companies. And so... I guess there was a role model there that said mm-hmm. can do. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Gay, if somebody would like to get in touch with you, find out more about uh, the Committee of 200 or even about your business or your entrepreneurial journey, how would they do that? I have an email address that I'm happy to share. Um, it's gay.gaddis at t-3.com. Or our phone here at, uh, in the main office is 512 512- Four nine nine eight eight one one. Okay, and of course your website is www.t-3.com as well. So oh, of- yes, in fact, and that's that's a great way to kind of see the work we're doing and some of the exciting results that we're getting for clients. So, yes, that's a great place to check, but if anyone wanted to contact me about some of these initiatives or programs, uh, we can try to work through that. It's been wonderful talking with you today. Thank you for your time and all the work that you're doing on behalf of women. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, and uh, have a great day. You too. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit us at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.